Welcome to the Way of Crypto podcast, your best daily news source covering everything happening in the crypto and Bitcoin space every single weekday morning. We go over market news, price action, and of course, all the drama happening in crypto every single day. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon and do that as a general supporter at three bucks a month. Or if you want to take it up a notch, you can contribute to the show with 10 bucks a month. This allows you to not only contribute to the show financially, but also with show content as well as it enables you to ask any question you want, hopefully about crypto. But if not, I'm probably going to answer it anyway. And we'll go over all those answers every single Friday. However, the best way to support the show is simply to subscribe and give us a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. You can do this on Spotify and Apple and all your favorite podcast listening platforms. Subscribe, give us a review. That's the best way to support the show. Finally, if you want to take your keys into your own hands, you can purchase a Ledger device through the link in the description. This ensures you're purchasing the device through the Ledger website and it has not been tampered with by a third party like what can happen if you purchase through Amazon or eBay or a third party seller. You never know if your device has been tampered with. Uh, so use the link in the description. It ensures you're purchasing through Ledger and also 10% of that purchase will go to support the way of crypto at no extra cost to you. If you want to reach out to me on social media, you can find me on Twitter at Way of Cryptocast, on TikTok at Way of Crypto. But the best way is to go to the website www.thewayofcrypto.com. There's an email link there. You can fill it out. Let me know your questions, comments, and concerns, and I'll get back to you. There's also an RSS link on the website if you run your own podcast server and you want to subscribe through that RSS link. You can do that. Let's get into the news. Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Way of Crypto Podcast. It's Monday, August 22nd, 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for the time of this recording. Only important for market stuff, fear and greed index, and uh, and that sort of thing. We got a ton of news to go over. Uh, lots of NFT stuff. Board Apes on the verge of getting liquidated. We're going to get into that, talk about that a little bit. It's, uh, it's getting right down to the wire. And uh, really a ton of news to go over today. Uh, but first, we're going to have a look at market stuff. Fear and greed index currently sitting at a 29. Uh, figured that was going to drop with the uh, with that significant drop. I wouldn't call it a crash. It's more like $1,500 $1, drop is not a crash in the crypto space. However, it's become one for us because we've become accustomed to this very choppy, very small movements over the last few months here. And uh, anything greater than a uh, thousand bucks upward is considered like a pump now. That never used to be a thing in crypto. Everything considered uh, like a thousand dollar drop is considered a crash. However, uh, just a small dip here in Bitcoin. However, it doesn't look good. Bitcoin is looking pretty weak. Um, yeah, but we're going to dig into all that stuff uh, and more, starting with the price of Bitcoin. Currently sitting at 21,189 bucks, uh, down about a point and a half from yesterday and down 12% in the seven day. Ethereum's at 1560. Ethereum is dropping significantly here. Uh, down 4.7, 4 4.17% in the 24, down almost 20% in the seven day. Uh, however, just keep in mind, these, both these tokens have had, especially Ethereum's had a big run up. So this drop is, uh, compared to its June levels, is uh, fairly normal, uh, I would say. XRP is at 33 cents down, 2.47% on the 24-hour, down 9.11% on the seven-day. Cardano is at 44 cents, down 2% on the 24, down 20% on the seven-day. Solana is at Solana is at 34 bucks, down 4% on the 24, down 21% on the seven-day. Huge drop there for Solana. 
I bought it, so I apologize for that drop. <laughs> uh, Polkadot is at seven dollars and sixteen cents, down three point seven two percent at twenty four on the twenty four hour, down about twenty percent on the seven day. Uh, yeah, so when I, I bought Solana, and uh, yeah, it drops. That's how she works. So I apologize. Uh, to all you Solana bag holders, I'm responsible for the dip in Solana. Uh, AVAX is at $22.20, down 3.73% in 24 on the 24-hour, down 20% on the 7-day. Tron's at $0.06, cents flat on the 24, down 5% on the 7-day. Uniswap's at $6.82, down 5.34% on the 24, down 21% on the 7-day. Ethereum Classic, 32 bucks. We're sitting at 32.10, down 5.11% on the 24, down 21.89% on the seven day. Near protocol, $4.04, down 4.79%, down 26% on the seven day. Maybe a buying opportunity here for near. If that's something you're speculating about for the next bull run here. All right, let's get into the news. First story we're going to start with, uh, we're going to ease into this morning because we got actually a ton of stuff to go over. A lot of it is, um, I think it's all negative, pretty pretty sure here. I'm just kind of scanning through the news stories we're going to talk about. Oh, that's not true. It's not all negative. It's not all negative, but a lot of it is here. Uh, but we're going to start off with a pretty neutral news story. Are KYC crypto exchanges as safe as their, or non-KYC crypto exchanges ex- as safe as their KYC counter-compliant peers. I'm already starting off with a terrible reading flow, but I'm, I'm reading this article from Cointelegraph, and I always struggle with their sentence structure. So we're not going to read too much, but we're going to talk a lot here. Um, yeah, so the KYC exchanges, you know them. Uh, Kraken, Coinbase, FTX, Gemini, Crypto.com, to name just a few, just a handful of the big ones. Uh, Non-KYC exchanges... Uh, KuCoin. It's the one I know of, but uh, that's the one I know of that I kind of feel comfortable talking about. Uh, however, there's probably going to be a few other ones mentioned in this article. Uh, yeah, and I actually like KuCoin. Uh, for non-KYC users, you can't just deposit cash right from your bank account. You have to deposit uh, Tether, USDC, or really any kind of crypto. Bitcoin is actually a good one on to trade with on that platform as well. So uh, yeah, you have to deposit a crypto. You can only trade with crypto. And I believe it's a maximum of one Bitcoin per day you're allowed to purchase without KYC. Could be wrong on that. Could be like one per week, one per month, something like that. It's never affected me. I'm not purchasing more than one Bitcoin a day or a week or even a month at these prices right now. So, uh, yeah, so it's never affected me. However, there is a limit on the uh, purchases you can make if you're on KuCoin with uh, under non-KYC. You can go through a KYC process on KuCoin as well. Anyways, I'm not sponsored by KuCoin. This podcast has no uh, relationship with KuCoin, so I should probably stop mentioning their name and just get into the article here. Well, most crypto exchanges have begun implementing KYC mandates coffee break for a second there investors still have the choice to offer crypto exchanges that promote greater anonymity by not imposing kyc many see implementing know your customers so kyc yeah uh this is a kind of important a lot of people don't know this uh but kyc means know your customer and that is going through the process of uploading your driver's license and all that kind of stuff telling them about your financial history is often the case now uh, it never used to be but it is currently um yeah so tools in Crypto as a deterrent. 
to the Bitcoin standard, which has predominantly promoted anonymized peer-to-peer transactions. However, regulatory, regulator, regulators stay put on promoting KYC and anti-money laundering implementations as a means to ensure investors' safety. Yeah, so KYC being forced upon us, being forced on these exchanges, um, is to, in their eyes, to promote our safety. Uh, so we're going to get into that a little bit more. Anonymity goes both ways in most cases. Owners of crypto exchanges running non-KYC or non-compliant operations often choose to remain anonymous to avoid legal scrutiny. As a result, investors must have a high level of trust in the people responsible for running the exchanges. Yes, yeah, so uh, often, I don't believe this is uh, the case of the exchange we talked about. However, I don't know who runs it. I've never looked into it as um, I've just trusted it by default. Maybe that's wrong on me. I could come back to regret that at some point, just like uh, having money into Celsius. However, uh, the important thing to know is the owners, operators of KYC exchanges are always doxxed, right? So uh, when you are trusting a non-doxxed entity or person with your money, this also comes into place with NFT projects, things like that. I think a lot of people have had bad experiences with non-doxxed led projects, um, or companies. We could also use projects uh, in companies, I guess, interchangeably uh, at this case. But um, yeah, so non-docs, you have to really, really trust them. Docs, you know their names. So if something bad happens, we can, uh, or the federal government in whatever country they're based in can come for them and charge them. uh, And that's the advantage there. Blockchain remembers forever. While the suits backing traditional finance portray crypto as tools of money laundering, illicit cryptocurrency transactions have consistently declined year over year. Despite the ease of using cryptocurrency without KYC verification, a chain analysis study confirmed that only point, sorry, yeah, point one five percent of all crypto crypto transactions in twenty twenty one were linked to illicit activities. That's because uh, everything is on the ledger forever, and cash is better for conducting if you're going to sell drugs illegally or hire a hitman do it in cash don't do it in bitcoin because it's on that that transaction is forever uh on the ledger non-financial voice don't sell drugs illegally or hire hitman however um crypto is a bad choice for those people that want to do that uh not your keys not your coins we say that a lot here uh ledger is uh not a show sponsor but we have an affiliate link for them in the show description and i use a ledger i have both a old school one a ledger nano s i think it is but not the new one forget what the new one calls the old ledger nano anyway i have it. it has like the micro usb insert uh yeah i have a couple of those and then i have a nano x that i use now um and the nano the other old nanos are just a uh, backup at this point they're wiped and just kind of sitting on standby uh ready should my nano x uh poop the bed to answer the question, are non-KYC exchanges safe lies in the understanding that aforementioned nuances. KYC or not KYC, crypto investors remain equally vulnerable. Yeah, because we saw <laughs> Alex Mashinsky was extremely doxxed and on all over, on every crypto influencer's uh, feed with interviews and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, and we know what happened to Celsius. We know the end of that story. <clears throat> we know... Uh, a lot of the non-KYC and DeFi, which don't require KYC, exchanges are uh, just plugging away just fine. So, um, yeah, take that. There is a ton of nuance there, like the article said, uh, and it is do your own research. And when you make a decision of where you're going to purchase your crypto, where you're going to keep it, all that kind of stuff, it's got to be based on what 
your gut feeling that way. Uh, when you win, it's on you. And when you lose, it's on you as well. And uh, don't take other people's advice for that. Trust your own gut. Uh, so we got some, some more Vitalik Buterin stuff. It says Ripper, Ripple and XRP has lost a right to regulatory protection years ago. Here's what it means. So this is an article from the Daily Hoddle. Uh, they got into a little Twitter spat last week. We covered that on the show. And it uh, looks like it is going to greater depths here. Ethereum, Ethereum creator Vitalik Buterin says that Ripple and XRP lost their right to be protected by the crypto community from government overreach several years ago. I'm not sure what he means here, and I hope he describes it well. Buterin tells his 4.2 million followers that he's happy to see Ethereum supporter voice their support against unfair crypto regulation that hurts legitimate projects. I'm assuming voice their concern against the Security Exchange Commission lawsuit against XRP because that's bad for all crypto holders uh, in the future. It's bad for the future of crypto if uh, the SEC wins that lawsuit. Uh, and it's extremely positive and extremely bullish if uh, XRP comes out as winning that lawsuit, whether you love them or hate them. I'm not a huge fan of XRP because they just talk negatively, negatively about all other projects in the crypto space. They even had a marketing campaign against proof of work uh, which really pisses me off, obviously, uh, being the Bitcoin network is the most secure out of all crypto spaces. Out of all crypto networks right now, Bitcoin is vastly superior and vastly more secure. And to talk bad about that, to pump your own bags, uh, makes me angry because that's our Bitcoin is no matter if you're Bitcoin max or not, doesn't matter. Bitcoin is our way into um, our way into eventually down the road replacing the financial system that it is now. That path forward is with Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum DeFi. But the next project hasn't necessarily even uh, even shown its face, played its cards yet. We'll see what happens in the coming years. However, right now it's Bitcoin. And to talk negatively about Bitcoin hurts all of us, just like XRP's losing that lawsuit would hurt all of us. And uh, the CEO did that anyways. And uh, that pissed me off here. So I don't hold any XRP in my bags. XRP army, I'm, I apologize. I want to see good things for you. I hope XRP goes up in price. However, uh, I won't put my money in that project because uh, I don't agree with the um, the heads of the project at all anymore. Uh, and I've lost faith in them. However, Buterin says XRP is an exception to the rule, citing screenshots from Ripple that described Bitcoin and Ethereum, a Chinese controlled virus currencies. So this is from Ripple. Yeah, he's calling Bitcoin and Ethereum Chinese-controlled virtual currencies. Virtual, not viral. <laughs> XRP already lost their right to protect to production when they tried to throw us under the bus as China-controlled, in my opinion. So I never knew that, but I've known they've had an active campaign against all other projects that XRP has. And I don't know. I really wish... Um, People wouldn't support them anymore, and uh, you can get your you can sell your bags in XRP and move into a different project, a faster horse. Uh, get on a faster horse, non-financial advice, of course, but uh, you don't have to sink and go down with XRP. Yes, they're in a lawsuit right now. Yes, they have the potential to pump, uh, but I don't know. Are they going to pump that much harder than anything else if XRP wins a lawsuit? And you don't have to hold those bags if you don't agree with what the uh, XRP CEO and CEO. CEO and COO and all that kind of stuff are saying about these other cryptocurrencies, you're down just as much as another project. You can sell those coins off, move to another project that doesn't try and hurt the crypto space and is equally down and you're kind of equalizing your losses there anyways. Yeah, you're going to have some trading fees to eat. However, you can get into a different project. Uh, so something to keep in mind, XRP Army, uh, you don't have to sink with the ship uh, and they could go up. Yeah. XRP is going to go up. I'm sure in the next bull run, you're going to make some returns back. However, so are other projects. 
you don't have to put up with this stuff uh, about their leadership talking neg negatively against uh, the rest of the crypto space. Just something to keep in mind here. FTX's SBF or Sam Bankman Freed and Brett Harrison respond to the FDI's allegations of false statements. So I don't know exactly uh, when this happened. I saw this story and uh, so I haven't skimmed this at all. We're going to go through it together here. Top executives at crypto exchange giant FTX responding to allegations of misleading statements from the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. So the FDIC. So the FDIC is, has insured Voyager. In relation to them and what we've talked about on this podcast, the FDIC was uh, the entity of the U.S. government responsible for insuring Voyager's USD deposits that were insured. However, the FDIC got mad at Voyager for uh, making it sound like all deposits, including crypto on the platform, were insured when in, when in fact only USD cash deposits. So if you had USDC or USDT, Tether or uh, Circle, Circle Stablecoin on the platform, that was not insured, only US dollars. Uh, so I'm guessing they're referring to something involving that here. See, uh, FTX CEO SBF tells his 761,000 Twitter followers, the crypto exchange platform is not FDI insured and that only the banks they work with are yes. On Thursday, the FDIC issued a clear cease and desist order to the crypto exchange saying that they were misleading customers into believing the products they offered were FDIC insured. So this is going to be something similar to what happened with Voyager, actually. Uh, Sam Bank or Bankman-Fried also notes that he is not against working with the FDIC to insure deposits in the future. So... Um, FTX does not have FDIC insurance on their USD deposits as well on their platform uh, is what I'm getting for this. However, do your own research. You can dig in a little more if you do hold USDC or uh, if you do hold any crypto on FTX. They're one of the more trustworthy ones is Sam Bankman-Fried's just uh, building in this bear market like no one else and buying up all these defunct uh, exchanges and CFI. Uh, CFI institutions and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, I can see why people would still hold their or give FTX their keys. However, um, you lose the power of crypto if you don't take your keys into your own possession. That's where all your powers gain. That's where uh, you have all your freedom is uh, essentially on you and all your mistakes are on you as well. And I think that's why people are reluctant at this point now. Uh, now, that's the only way, only reason to not take possession of your own keys is a fear that you're going to screw something up during uh, transactions or the transaction of moving your funds off that exchange. Um, that would be the only reason I see left. However, that was a little bit off topic there. And uh, FTX, so they want, in the future, they're looking at possibly getting their US, uh, USD deposits FDIC insured. However, right now they're not. The banks that they're working with on the exchange outside of customers, so on the corporate side, the banks that the corporation FTX is dealing with are FDIC, FDIC insured. But um, yeah. That's enough talking in circles. We'll get on to the next article here. Uh, stable coins issuer. So this is going to be uh, just a fast and fierce one. Just for your own personal personal knowledge, stable coin issuers. So they're looking at Tether and Circle, USDT, USDC combined. They actually have more US debt than Berkshire Hathaway uh, at this point, which is Warren Buffett's uh, legendary uh, legendary hedge fund here. Let's get into the article. Tether, Circle, and other stablecoins firms held $80 billion worth of short-term U.S. government debt as of May 2022, more than owned by Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway. Uh, yeah, so just 
for your own perception on how big the stablecoin market is, they hold more U.S. Treasury debt than uh, the one of the most legendary hedge funds ever to exist. They're not up there with um, BlackRock yet, and that's pretty far off. However, Berkshire Hathaway, they have overtaken here. Okay, so let's get into some NFT stuff. We actually have a ton of it here from liquidation stuff to DAOs and GameStop NFTs marketplace stuff. We're going to start with Board Ape Yacht Club because this is the uh, the most, most well-known other than CryptoPunks. Maybe it's kind of interchangeable, but um, I think they're a little more well-known. Even the CryptoPunks, especially their images and a little more copied anyways on uh, OpenSea and some of those trading platforms for now. Uh, Board, Ape, Yop, Board Ape faces liquidation on the Bendo amid FTA mark bear market. So uh, Bendo has, I think it's 16 ETH left on the platform. 15 ETH, just looked at it, probably less now because the time of this article was three hours ago. So when you're reading this, it's going to be less than 15 ETH. Four bored apes and 14 mutant apes are at risk of being liquidated here. Lending against NFTs has always been going to be a risky affair, but naturally the idea took off last year during a crazy bull run in the digital assets. Yeah, last year was probably the year of the NFT. 2021 was probably the year of the NFT, that's for sure. Now the chickens may be coming home to roost. Four mutant apes, which have a floor price of over $19,000 of, of August 19th are in 48-hour holding period where their owners must pay down their debt or face liquidation. So uh, 14 blue chips are on the verge of liquidation. This is very interesting and the first time I've heard of this. NFTs have been around not that long, only a few years here, a handful of years, less than that maybe. Uh, in their current form, only about two years. So this is the first time we're seeing this and we're going to watch this happen maybe in real time um, for the first time. The information comes from a Dune Analytics dashboard from Bendo, a five-month-old collateralized lending protocol, which facilitated the loan against the FTs. Bendos, Bendows, I hope I'm saying that right, available to auction page also shows four board apes entering the 48-hour period as of 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on August 19th, a few days ago. That's when this news started kind of circulating. There isn't a single bid to liquidate the NFTs if their owners don't pay down the debt. The debt. The big question is what happened if the floor price of the collections falls below the debt, the debt outstanding against the NFTs during the 48-hour waiting period. At that point, their owners are better off not paying back the debt and letting the NFTs get liquidated. That's assuming anyone wants them, of course. I have a feeling there's going to be people just waiting to snatch up these board apes because uh, they are blue chips. And yeah, a lot of people think NFTs are dumb. NFTs are just JPEGs. And uh, they kind of are. Even if you, I don't mean NFTs are dumb, but they are just JPEGs. Even if they unlock things and allow you access to communities and uh, early reading and all that kind of, all this kind of things that utility is built around NFTs, in the end, they are still just JPEGs. And uh, yeah, I think they are kind of cool and I get it. I get why people collect them. I have a few NFTs. However, I don't see a big use case, but I don't see uh, Board 8 Yacht Club losing value, especially come the next bull run because NFTs aren't going anywhere, I don't think. Uh, lots of them are going to go to zero, just like lots of these cryptocurrencies. However, I have a speculative um, theory that NFTs over this 21 2021 period, 2020, 2021, 2022 are going to be sought after in the years to come because this is essentially the golden age of NFTs. People are trying to figure out what they are, what they do, what they, how they can bring value, how they can bring world, real world util, utility. All that kind of stuff is happening before our eyes right now. And over the last year or two, 
And I think NFTs during this time that were minted during this time are going to hold some value in the future. And uh, Bored Ape and uh, cyber, Cyberpunks are going to lead the way in that for sure. So I don't know about the best idea letting them get liquidated. Uh, however, they may not have a choice in the matter here. Uh, so another uh, another news story here involving CryptoPunks as well is uh, they've actually flipped Bored Apes for the first time. If you go on OpenSea, you can look at the stats of NFTs and where they sit in uh, trading volume and popularity and all that kind of stuff. And uh, Bored Apes have always been at number one. However, they uh, may have just flipped CryptoPunks may have just flipped Bored Apes to take that number one spot. The Bored Apes have been sitting pretty well all year, but the crypto sitting pretty all year, I think they mean uh, in the number one spot. But CryptoPunks may be seeing a second win. For a brief shining moment, Sunday morning, the CryptoPunks flipped the Bored Ape Yacht Club, the floor price of the veteran NFT collection, topping uh, that of the celebrity co coveted primates for the first time since March, according to the NFT floor price. As with that short-lived flip, the Bored Apes quickly regained the top spot, which they effectively held all year. Still, CryptoPunks has been closing on the Bored Ape Yacht Club Club since June, and if the trend continues, CryptoPunks may soon retake the lead and hold it. So the two blue-chip NFTs are fighting in a battle here for the top spot. Let's dig into the last story. Nope, not quite the last story, but uh, we're getting there here. We're going a little bit long today, but there's just a lot of stuff to cover that I wanted to sink my teeth into and let you guys know of. GameStop's NFT daily free revenue, daily fee revenue plunges under 4K right now. GameSpot is making under 4K per day on their NFT marketplace. GameSpot NFT has generated roughly $166,800 worth of sales volume over the past 24 hours, with the platform charging only a 2.25% fee on NFT sales. What does OpenSea charge? Like 7% or something like that? I know it's higher than that. The figure equates to just $3,753 worth of revenue. Oh, that's sad. I hope this works. I want to see. Uh, I do want to see this work for them. Daily revenue from GameStop's uh, non-fungible token, GameStop's NFT marketplace, has plummeted to under 4,000, suggesting that interest in the platform has wined, waned significantly since launching in mid-June. But uh, it's down everywhere. OpenSea's volume is down. NFTs are, if you think crypto is bad, have a look at the NFT space. They are completely suffering here. Um, one moment. I need to need to go to GameSpot's, GameStop's marketplace. I want to have a look at it. I haven't looked at it for a little while here. Uh, I probably won't edit this little breakout. Um, however, so that being said, yeah, if you uh, think crypto is bad, NFT is real bad. Their volume is just terrible. It's like it's like a sinking. It's been a sinking ship now for the last three months, and it is sitting at the bottom of the ocean, just kind of coming up for a little breath of time. Uh, so if you wanted to get an NFTs right now, there's probably some deals out there. Do your own research and not promoting NFTs, but I think they're cool. And I think that they, once from this time period, from 2020, 2021, 2022, uh, all these, this little block of golden ageness in, uh, in the NFT space, while we learn what NFTs are, what they're going to become and kind of set that pathway for the future NFTs and where we see them going in the future, I think they're going to be collectible. But also, I've been known to be wrong about things. Uh, yeah, so next story, after I get the marketplace loaded here, so I remember to do it later. Uh, there we go. Bendo contract now has only 15 ETH left to pay lenders. Uh, I just want to go over this quickly just so you guys get some numbers here. Many non-fungible token NFTs that were used as collateral on the platform have defaulted without any bids. Lending protocol Bendo has run out of wrapped ETH in its contract. 
at the time of writing the contract has only 15 wrapped ETH to pay lenders and an estimated 15 ETH to left to be paid lenders. So it has 15 wrapped ETH and 15 ETH. 30,000 ETH combined, I guess. That's kind of how I think of it anyway. Researcher NFC NFT statistics.eth dissected the issuer mm -hmm. in a Twitter trend highlighting the non-fungible token borrower borrowers in the platform should now pay 100% interest on the ETH they borrowed. In addition, the debt position against the NFTs is also on the rise. Yeah, so just a little bit of numbers uh, to go with the stories we just went over. Uh, notably, the uh, Board 8 Yacht Club's getting liquidated because that's what could happen over the next next couple days here. Uh, okay, so popular 10KTF NFT project checks for sanctioned addresses. This is another quick little news story. So this project is actually checking, in their code, they are now checking Tornado Cash addresses or if those addresses have been associated with the sanctioned addresses from Tornado Cash. The project is 10KTF. Uh, so there's just more projects jumping on the bandwagon here of uh, censorship. We'll dig into this a little bit. 10KTF's recent combat crate NFT drop contained a little twist no one expected. Based around a fictional artist named uh, Wagme or We're Not Gonna Make It, Dash San, 10KFT enables holders of various popular NFTs like Board apes, crypto punks, pudgy, pudgy penguins to craft digital wearables for their avatars. Link to Beeple, the NFT artist who rose to fame last year when his Everyday's collection sold for $69 million at Christie's. 10KFT has generated over 11,200 ETH or $18 million bucks in the secondary trading volume as of August 19th, a couple days ago. The, K, the 10 KTFT Combat Crates collection has done 605 ETH. I think that's on OpenSea right now in the top whatever, top 100 or so. In the recent Combat Crate drop, NFT collector Whitmer, Whitmer Chamberlain, I think I got that wrong, discovered that the wallets that attempt to open the crates are checking against chain analysis on-chain sanction Oracle. This is the part that matters. This is a method to ascertain if a wallet or contract is on the sanction list of the U.S. Treasury or of foreign affairs assets which is crap. And uh, I'm glad this is getting publicized. I'm glad this got noticed. And I hope this hurts the artist or whoever's involved in this project or involved in, in uh, that piece of this project. I hope that comes back to bite them because uh, I don't want to see all NFT projects doing this. It, in, the, in this particular case, if the wallet of Combat Crate Buyer is on the OFAC list, then that user was able to mint the crate, but unaware to reveal the NFT's post-mint. Of course, any affected user would likely be able to circumvent the check by transferring the NFT to another wallet to reveal it. Yeah, okay. Uh, gross. This is by Jason DeLong, CTO of NFT Lending Protocol. Astarian and former CTO of SushiSwap told the Defiant, fastest way to kill a business. Could not agree more. I can see that the sort of thing becomes more prevalent, uh, particularly from a doxed U.S. team. Sanctions have been a hot topic over discussion. Yeah. We've talked about them a lot in the podcast. Um, so last story of the day. We are going long here. This is something from Rel Paul. During an interview, we'll talk about a crypto market cap could burst to $200 trillion amid largest wealth accumulation in history. Macro guru Rel Paul says. Former Golden Sanks executive Rel Paul says an explosion of the crypto market cap by 200 times in the next decade is within the realm of possibility in the new interview on the next 10 years, last next decade is saying this, 200x. In a new interview with crypto analysis Scott Melker, uh, the macro guru says that we could witness an unprecedented accumulation of wealth in the next 10 years. What I 
what I do know is if I just extrapolate the network adoption effects, the number of users and where the numbers of users are going and assume it's going to go somewhere between four and five billion in the next 10 years or so, that would be central bank digital currencies enabling it. Yeah, all, all ticketing, a whole bunch of stuff going that way. The market cap of the space goes from one trillion to 200 trillion. He's talking about including the market cap of CBDCs and that as well. And yeah, of course. Because uh, you'd have these governments with their market cap in the crypto space. People don't realize the world has never seen an accumulation of wealth like that in history. Uh, however, this hasn't happened yet. So keep that in mind. And Raupol has been wrong at times. He's also said Ethereum would be worth 40000 bucks by, I think it was spring 2020. So uh, do your own research. Trust your gut feeling. However, some of these... Guys that have been around a long, a long time, uh, it's interesting to get their perspective on things. And that is going to wrap up today's show. We've gone over time, which is okay because we talked about some good stuff here. Um, yeah, so thanks for supporting the show. If you want to actually support us, you can do that through Patreon. Uh, also, you can buy a ledger from the link in the description. And the most important thing you can do uh, to support the show is you can give us a subscribe and a review on your favorite podcast listening platform. That's going to be it for today. I will see you guys tomorrow and bye for now.